Amazon ReMars is a new global AI event on machine learning, automation, robotics, and space. ReMars is inspired by the exclusive Mars conference. It will combine the latest forward-looking science with practical applications. Speakers include Amazon founder and CEO Jeff Bezos, Landing AI founder and CEO Andrew Ng, and more. ReMars will take place June the 4th to the 7th in Las Vegas. Register today and get $400 off the ticket price. Go to remars.amazon.com and register using the promo code DATASCIENCE. That's R-E-M-A-R-S dot Amazon.com, promo code DATASCIENCE. This is Data Science at Home, the podcast that makes machine learning and artificial intelligence easy for everyone. Here's your host, Francesco Caraletta. Welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home, the podcast that makes machine learning easy for everyone. In this episode, I'm going to speak about something that I struggled a bit when I was a new grad, which is differential equations. I was struggling because at that time it was like, oh my God, when I'm going to use this stuff, where are these mathematical tools used? I couldn't find an immediate answer to that question. And so after a few years, I realized that in fact, differential equations are pretty much anywhere. And uh, this means that it doesn't matter if you want to be a physicist, a data scientist, a, an AI expert or an engineer, you just have to bear in mind that you have to know what these tools are and how to use them. So differential equations are everywhere. And in this episode, I'm going to speak about neural networks with infinite layers. So today's story starts with, in fact, not with neural networks, not even with uh, differential equations, but it starts with so-called residual networks. There are so-called ResNets that stands indeed for residual networks. So what is a ResNet? ResNet, first of all, has been proposed for the first time, um, I think for the first time, in uh, a paper that has been titled Deep Residual Learning for Image Recognition. So you know immediately what type of domain they were they've been used so far. They were a mechanism to overcome a, a very well-known problem in, in machine learning, especially in deep learning, which is the vanishing or exploding gradients problem. This problem affects pretty much any deep neural network architecture. So what is this first? Well, a neural network, when, when you have many layers in a network, it is very difficult to train, not just because of the high number of layers, but also because it depends if the weights of these layers are slightly greater than one or slightly lower than one, the activations, that is the outputs of neurons in each layer, can explode or decrease exponentially uh, depending on um, the, the weights being greater or lower than one. So this is a very well-known problem, and um, it is very well-known also that training a neural network is equivalent to minimizing the error that the network makes while predicting some output based on some input. We have seen this a number of times, even in previous episodes, you know, the backpropagation and uh, the minimization of the error of the loss function, which is the error that you are observing from the predicted values uh, with respect to the true value, so the ground truth. Now, in order to minimize such error, computing the gradient of the loss with respect to the weights is what we currently do. But how such weights increase or decrease and eventually explode or disappear 
is going to affect the gradient descent task overall. As a result, the numerical optimization algorithm will have a very hard time to move towards the minimum, which means that the network is not going to learn much from the data. Let's see how ResNets can help mitigate these issues. So the core idea behind ResNets or residual network stands in, the, in one concept that is called the skip connections or shortcuts. So what is this? Well, this means that taking the activations from one layer and feeding them to another layer, not just to the next one, but one deeper in the network architecture would help in the during the training process. And basically, this is what happens all the time with residual networks with, uh, with so-called residual blocks. Now, if you start stacking residual blocks on top of the other, you get what we call residual networks. So how does this help tackle the, the gradients problem that we mentioned about, you know, the vanishing gradient or the exploding gradient? Well, one undeniable fact is that a residual block easily learns the identity function. So I know that it's quite difficult to follow via a podcast. I will add some graphs and some text on the show notes so to facilitate the understanding of what I'm saying. But very briefly, suppose that we have an input to a layer which is close to zero. Now, if there are no skip connections, so we are in front of a regular architecture, not a ResNet, so without skip connections, the output of the next layer would also be close to zero. So the input of, let's say, layer one and the output of layer two would be close to each other. But when skip connections are present, one would have that the input of layer one is equal to the output of layer two. And this not only has shown not to affect performance, but also to improve and to facilitate the descent along the gradient during the training process. There are several interpretations to this fact, but one in particular is that the skip connections allow the network to, let's say, remember the information stored in the earlier layers. And this idea is not completely new because, you know, remembering stuff from the past is something that has already been used and it's in fact the main principle behind long short-term memory networks or LSTMs that are currently the state-of-the-art for time series analysis and especially language models. But that's not it because ResNets also have another intriguing feature or characteristic in a paper titled Bridging the Gaps Between Residual Learning, Recurrent Neural Networks and Visual Cortex, also reported in the show notes, it has been shown that the activations of a residual block for each layer can be reformulated as, you know, a differential equation. And so before proceeding, let's have a look at what differential equations are. I will be very brief because indeed it's impossible to explain differential equations, at least to the best of my knowledge, how differential equation works in, in, a, in a podcast episode. So what is a differential equation? Very briefly, a differential equation contains derivatives. What is a derivative? It's the variation of one quantity with respect to another. Usually that's time or space. So one familiar differential equation is, for example, the Newton's second law of motion that states if an object of mass m is moving with acceleration a and receives a force f, then its dynamics can be described by the equation that we probably learned during our, I don't know, when do you learn these things? Very early in your <laughs> academic career. Well, force is equal to mass times acceleration. So in terms of the velocity of the, of the object, Newton's law can be written as a differential equation, which is mass 
times multiplied to the derivative of the velocity with respect to time, which is equal to the force f of vt, which is an ordinary differential equation. So basically what you can do with this equation is that, well, given the force f, which is known, and also some initial conditions, for example, the initial velocity v0, the solution to the differential equation uh, f, uh, sorry, m dv over dt equal f gives the velocity at each consecutive time. And so you would know by knowing the velocity at the initial time, the initial condition, and also the force f, you would know the velocities at different time, which is amazing. <laughs> so how do you solve a differential equation? Well, there, that you are entering another field here. And... Um, I would call it a minefield because indeed it's, it's, it depends. You cannot always solve a differential equation. Most of the time you can use ODE solvers that usually provide approximated solutions when there is no exact way to solve a differential equation. And in the real life, you will find probably, especially if you're an engineer, you will find more differential equations that need to be solved by you know heuristics or approximated solutions other than those that can be solved in the exact form. So before we go back to the neural network part and how neural networks can in fact leverage the concept of differential equation, let me just mention one last thing, which is the Euler discretization. That is one formula that gives an approximation of the solution of a differential equation at each time step. It's a recursive formula, which is very interesting because, you know, when you're dealing with, uh, with the computation and algorithms, you like things that repeat themselves because these are easier to implement and also easier for a, a machine to, to calculate. So this Euler discretization is a very well-known formula that gives, I repeat, an approximation of the solution of the differential equation at each time step. Now that's it for this quick refresher on ODEs and the Euler method. Let's go back to neural networks. So at this point, it should be clear that the equation of the activations of the residual block is very similar to the Euler recursive formula that we just described. And it should also be clear that there is a differential equation associated to it. So we can look at, you know, this entire architecture as adding more layers to the neural network and taking sufficiently smaller steps in the limit where the step size tends to zero, it is possible to obtain an ODE given by the previous equation, which is the typical derivative of a quantity with respect to another. In fact, you have to think of this, like when you are using art, um, artificial neural networks and the differential equations, in fact, you're finding the equivalent of a network with infinite number of layers. And now remember also that a differential equation also requires an initial value, right? An initial condition to start from and start calculating all the quantities in the next time steps. And that's where the input data plays a role because the input data X can be considered the initial value of this ordinary differential equation, which is the neural network with infinite number of layers. So this is a very, you know, funny idea how to rethink neural networks in terms of differential equations. And there is a very interesting equivalent that, you know, analogy with the um, you know, pure mathematics and neural network, which is not necessarily pure mathematics. You know, there is a lot of approximation, there is a lot of uh, also statistics in, in certain uh, certain times, etc. 
So this solution allows one to discover the complex relationship between X, which is the input data, and Y, which is the label, the target in general. So the problem now is how do we choose both L and the parameters theta? So L is the number of layers. We said we have an infinite number of layers, but in fact, we need to set a, uh, a specific depth of the architecture. And also, we want to know what are the parameters of each of these layers, a bit like, you know, in the same flavor of what happens with the current architectures. And luckily, here we have again backpropagation that comes to the rescue like ever before. <laughs> and, uh, and just like with any standard deep learning model, one can use a specific form of backpropagation to compare the predictions produced by the network with the true target values epoch by epoch. And you basically have the same way of learning these parameters from the data. So one could say, okay, but why should I use differential equations to model something that I already know how to model uh, with, uh, with traditional architectures? Well, there are several benefits of using ODEs or ordinary differential equations over the more intuitive residual networks. First of all, ODE networks are memory efficient. And unlike standard deep learning models, neural ODE can be trained with a constant memory cost as a function of depth, the depth of the architecture. The second reason, and I would say the second benefit of having an ODE network is that they usually require less parameters. Neural ODE may require less parameters to achieve comparable or even better accuracy than classical deep neural networks in supervised learning tasks. One important conclusion is that they can be trained using less data. And that's something not to overlook because it's very important now, especially now that we want to um, optimize and improve neural networks, not just in reliability, but also in uh, amount of data required to achieve this reliability, to achieve uh, similar accuracy. If we can do that with less data, well, that's even better. The third benefit is that Ordinary differential equation networks are more flexible time series models. Unlike recurrent neural networks, neural ODEs can naturally incorporate data arriving at arbitrary times, for example, unequally spaced data points. This happens all the time with time series, unless you are synchronizing the clock and uh, accepting only data points that are equally spaced, you know, which, which can lead to artifacts. While in the case of neural ODEs, they can incorporate data arriving at arbitrary times, for example, unequally spaced data points. And so this allows one build more generic time series models. In addition to all of this, you know, if you are not yet satisfied by these three major benefits of neural ODEs, well, I'm going to say that neural ODEs have showed to learn differential equations directly from the data. And since many phenomena in physics, biology, economics, and many other domains can be described by means of differential equations, well, researchers are looking at ODE networks as a natural solution to such problems, taking advantage of more powerful tools that could definitely accelerate the pace of scientific discoveries. I hope this was clear. If not, please check the show notes. There are some graphs there, some written explanations what differential equations are, and also some references to how current researchers have been using this stuff into neural network architectures. I hope you enjoyed. Talk to you next time. This was Data Science at Home, 
the podcast that makes machine learning and artificial intelligence easy for everyone. If you like the show, don't forget to write a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podbean. You can also find us on datasciencesathome.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter and get the latest updates. Thanks for listening.